This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this, this is Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio. Here's your host, Christian Tervish. Welcome to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio. I'm your host, Christian Tervish, and we're here for you every Monday night at 5 p.m. Eastern, followed by replays throughout the week. The purpose of my show is to explore how work will change in times of globalization and digitization. I want to understand the work of tomorrow. Now, 10 years ago, we thought that car sharing was uh, hip. Then came Uber, then self-driving cars. And now we see the ventures that propose flying cars as a solution of our mobility problems. So public transportation and new mobility concepts have really emerged as one of the hottest industries in tech. At the same time, however, we get reminded that transporting passengers comes with enormous responsibility. Over 30,000 Americans lost their life in traffic accidents last year. And most recently, we saw the first traffic fatality caused by a self-driving car. So public transportation and the future of mobility is our topic for today. To help us understand this topic, I have two wonderful guests. Uh, Jeff Knuppel is the general manager of the Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority, also known as SEPTA. And in the second half of the show, I will talk to Florian Reuter, the CEO of Volocopter, the company behind Dubai's flying taxis. At this point, welcome, Jeff. Good morning. Actually, good afternoon. <laughs> Jeff, uh, what is your favorite riding experience on Scepter? Is there like a particular route that you like to take, a particular train uh, or trolley? Well, I, I, I do like my regional rail trip, probably because it's long. Uh, you know, the, the, you, some of the shorter trips in the city uh, end pretty fast. So I, I think uh, I really uh, enjoy watching uh, out the regional rail uh, as I come in from Lansdale. So Thorndale Paoli on the R5, these long rides... Yeah, you get more to see, and, and uh, you know, I, I just, I, I like that uh, longer trip. Uh, sometimes the, you know, the trips are, you know, they're so, they're so short uh, in the city that it, it's over quickly. So it can, you can really relax. And, and I think it's one of the reasons that people um, really enjoy taking our regional rail, because, and I don't think it's talked about as much, but it really is, you know, your time. You know, you can you can you can really relax. You can you know watch a movie on your iPad. Uh, you can you can talk to somebody on the phone unless you're in the quiet car. And uh, I I do think that uh, a lot of our customers on the regional rail uh, really enjoy that ability to have some time to themselves. So you provided some 300 million rides last year. Can you give us a scale of the operations in terms of vehicles and stations and employees? I mean, how, how big of an operation is that? Well, we have uh, roughly 9,500 employees. Um, I have about 1,500 buses. Um, we uh, operate a lot of modes, um, the most modes uh, under one company in the uh, country, uh, us in Boston. Uh, what's interesting um, is really that we were a compilation of a lot of different companies uh, that, you know, obviously uh, had difficult uh, business situation and, and uh, eventually were uh, folded into SEPTA. So we have uh, heavy rail, we have light rail, we have commuter rail, we have paratransit. And I think what's really interesting about SEPTA is we're just that size of the city that's just able to make our system be really centrally managed as one company, uh, get too much bigger like Chicago or uh, uh, New York, and you kind of have independent companies that are, that are then, uh, you know, 
at the very top, you get a couple of people that, that try to bring everything together. But, you know, we're one centrally located company, so we're very well integrated between the trolley, between the bus, between the railroad. You know, we think of ourselves as one company, and I think that really helps uh, customers in their ability to move around. How do you know if you're doing a good job at moving people around? I mean, uh, what, what metrics do you track? Is it well, more the ridership? Is it the yeah. paying customers? It, 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 you know, there's customer satisfaction surveys, and we watch them uh, pretty closely. I think, you know, obviously ridership is a, is a, you know, a big indicator. Although, you know, there's certain trends that are making it a little harder to tell. Uh, one of the things that I think people are not paying as much attention to is even the telecommuting. You know, the concept that people are, um, you know, staying home and working from home. So it's not just Uber and Lyft, you know, that, that uh, are, are pulling some, some riders away. There's also the potential that people are, are working from home more. So, you, you, you know, you have to watch your ridership uh, numbers. But, you, you know, you also have to um, – there's a lot of ways that you can quantify how, uh, you know, how beneficial SEPTA is to the region. I can tell you right now that it, we can look at the building permits and they're going – you know, construction permits – and if you look at them over the last couple of years and you put a dot on the map for each one, you, you can then realize that they're centered around our system, that we are really, really driving a lot of economic development in the city uh, and the suburbs. And so, um, you know, there's, there's different ways. You know, there's the, the individual uh, consumers, the, the, the riders, uh, but there's also the benefit that we're having overall to the region. And, uh, you know, the numbers are just amazing uh, in terms of the population increases that are even now starting in the city. city uh, grew over 50,000 people between 2010 and 2017. And uh, I got a, I'm thinking about 40% of them, uh, 40,000 of that 50,000, I believe, were in census tracts right along the Broad Street subway and the L. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of good things coming um, that you can see, and so you got to you got to look, you got to look at everything: economic development, customer satisfaction, ridership numbers, um, you know, and what and the and the positive benefits for the environment. You know, there's a lot of different things that that kind of tell you uh, the SEPTA story. Now, uh, as an operations professor, I of course have to look at some efficiency metrics, and it lies in the nature of any public transportation, be it an airline or be it a cruise ship or a ferry or a bus, that they cannot always be full by definition, right? And mm -hmm. so I'm wondering, what is a typical utilization if I would now go all over to the, the, the take the bus down here from uh, West Philadelphia to Manayang? What is the utilization of a typical bus? How many seats are empty? And I, I understand there's standing space and seating space, but a typical airline seat is basically booked for about 80% of the time. It lies, I guess, in the nature of bus travel that you cannot hit 80% capacity utilization. But is that a number that you track actively? Well, I'm, my people have it. It's not at my, my fingertips right now. Um, but, you know, I, I think the trends that we're seeing are that our ridership is staying very, very strong at, at our particular you know, our regular rush hour peaks, um, where we have started to see people making other decisions uh, in terms of bus ridership has been um, at, at nights and, um, and weekends. And that's kind of, as our frequency starts to drop off, that's when we're starting to see, um, you know, a little bit more uh, loss of ridership than, than we've had in, you know, quite a while. So, 
there there is a drop, um, but it's it tends to be on our buses on the nights and weekends. Our rail modes are for the most part still holding up very well, and our regional rail is doing uh, exceptionally well. The regional rail lines since 1998 have grown 52 percent in ridership. So, so, so the bus story, that the, the bus late at night, that is an Uber, Uber, Uber pool yeah, story, right? Yeah, you know, for a bunch of reasons, people, mostly probably frequency, uh, they they don't want to have to wait till the bus is going to be there. And so they're going with uh, the Uber and Lyft uh, at that time, more than they have in the, you know, more than, uh, in other words, we've seen that impact our business. So let's talk a little bit about the jobs at SEPTA. I mean, bus drivers, uh, that's a very demanding job, I would imagine. I mean, you have a responsibility like a pilot, basically, mm-hmm. and yet do you don't get paid like a pilot. Uh, what, is it, what is a typical career path to become a, a bus driver? What, what, what do the people who apply for these jobs, what's their background, and how long would I have to learn to, to, to be opera- operating a bus? The, I mean, the, the bus driver is, is probably has at least a, a high school uh, diploma. Um, we do have bus drivers now coming out with, uh, you know, more education than that because they actually are fairly well-paying jobs. Um, and the, 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 it's actually not as long a time. Um, I think it's uh, probably a month, month and a half uh, that it takes for us to get uh, somebody completely through our training program. Uh, so, you know, for the bus, um, you know, that's, that's pretty uh, attainable. For, for a lot of people, and it's a it's a you know it's a it's a good good job. Um, it's it's for our rail mode specifically our railroad uh, where the training starts to be uh, much more, and the training typically uh, could take uh, you know three quarters of a year to become a, a regional rail uh, engineer. So it's it's a and that, when you're when you're a uh, regional rail engineer, you know you've got uh, a couple hundred people uh, on your vehicle. So, um, you know, there's there's a varying degrees of of responsibility. Uh, you know, now uh, especially the signal systems are becoming a little more uh, helpful in preventing problems. And so, you know, it's always a back and forth with technology and, and, and us putting more people on vehicles. As you see, most of our vehicles, especially like our buses, and we're looking to do articulated trolleys now. Everything's All our vehicles are getting bigger. Uh, on the railroad, we're looking to do multi-level cars. So you kind of have us pushing for, for more riders, but also having a higher level of technology provide more safety. So if I stay with a bus driver as an example first, uh, so what does a typical workday look like? I mean, from the hours I'm I'm paid, what what hours uh, are there for breaks for uh, for other things? Uh, I, I say I come to work at six a.m. How much would I be driving before I go home in the afternoon? Well, I you know there's all there's all manner of runs. Um, I shadowed a bus driver uh, maybe two three years back. Uh, and there were probably 13 different trips in an about 11-hour run. That's not necessarily a, a typical run. That was one of the harder runs. Uh, but you, you really do see a mix. Um, you know, there are some that are set up more to run uh, just at the rush hours with, uh, you know, kind of a time off in between. Uh, and then there's, you know, occasionally there's routes like like the one that I experienced where it's, uh, pretty uh, on the go all day long. So 
but they do they work uh, scheduled for five five days a week. Um, most of our uh, bus drivers and and uh, uh, rail operators in the city, uh, our commuter rail, we do have a number of them now that work six days a week. And do you track those drivers and the buses in the sense that some of the auto insurance companies have now devices implanted in the cars that would basically make sure that people stop at stop signs, they're speeding things? Is is that all monitored these days? Um, we have a we have cameras and we have uh, onboard uh, you know forward facing and over the operator uh, cameras uh, to see what's going on. Um, we do, uh, on our rail vehicles, they have a black box. We'll do uh, certain rail vehicles. We'll uh, pick at random and actually go through and do black box reviews. So we are using the greater technology uh, to be able to uh, look at how things are going uh, with our operators. And certainly now uh, with, these, with these cameras, we we can really uh, do a good job of investigating uh, situations, some that are, you know, near misses or speeding that's turned in. And so we have a lot lot of uh, technology to be able to both uh, avoid uh, safety problems and, uh, uh, you know, investigate issues when they happen or whether people are concerned that they might be getting close to an issue. In case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Christian Tevish, and I'm chatting with Jeff Knuppel, who is the general manager of SEPTA, and we're talking about how SEPTA is changing in times of technology, how technology is used now to invest more in safety, monitoring drivers and collecting data. Um, now, Jeff, I have to make a personal confession. I owe you some money. I got mm-hmm. onto a bus many years ago, uh, new to Philadelphia, and I only had a $20 bill, and the the bus driver looked at me with a little bit of a, oh, God, this German dude, what is he doing here? And then he let me just ride for free. Um, now, paying on a bus these days is, is, is changing more and more, right? I mean, you moved away, you recently moved we away have, from the traditional yeah, token system. We're moving into a, a, a card, you know, a smart card that you can use for payment. We're, we're kind of in the process of that, right? Well, we've been working on it pretty hard, but now... Uh, we really are uh, pushing down the use of the token, uh, and in fact, I think at the end of this, at the end of April, we SEPTA won't be selling the token anymore. Uh, they will still be available at some of our external uh, retail locations, but uh, uh, I think I was in Toronto last year, and and they were also the ones uh, working on getting rid of the token. I think we're mostly the last two in North America, but uh, you know it's it's uh, it's nice to be finally uh, getting to the to the kind of technology that we can uh, utilize. Uh, there's a lot of things that we'll be able to do with this smart card, and include uh, being able to better understand the travel habits of our commuters uh, and riders. And uh, I, I think there's a lot of things that we can only start beginning to think about in terms of, um, you know, we can do pricing different during the day. Um, You know, we can move things around. We can, uh, you know, incentivize people. We can reward people for for certain, uh, uh, you know, patterns of usage. So there's a a lot of things that are coming. uh, And so I think that it's, it's it's a good thing for us. Is there and, any and for our customers? Is there any public transportation system that you admire on how they rolled out this technology? Where you feel like you they, they got it I right? I got to tell you that almost every one of them's had a tough time, um, and, and 
uh, I've seen that personally um, going uh, to different uh, cities. And so we, we traveled around and looked. Now, ours has been a very, very slow rollout. Um, I, I don't know if, you know, if, if, if it was, you know, the greatest to go this slow. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that uh, the, the fast ones really have been, been problematic. So uh, we've been very deliberate. And, and we have a lot of modes. I mean, it's, it's, this is a, you know, it's not usual for a city of this size to have everybody moving to that card. So whether you're on paratransit, on a bus, on a trolley, the Broad Street subway, commuter rail, one card will do it all. I mean, that's 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 uh, part of our challenge and and why we've been moving carefully. Uh, but there's 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 a lot of uh, opportunities uh, for us uh, going forward with this new smart card. So speaking about your fleet, you mentioned the many modes. Is that a strength or also a weakness of the system? In the in the following, I mean this in the following way that uh, just the maintenance complexity, the skill complexity of the workforce. It's just the more modes of transportation there are, the more complex of an operation this becomes, right? Yep. I. You know what? Here's the deal, though. We just do it. I, I can tell you that I didn't think about it until I became a general manager, and it really, really hit me because it just there's never there's never a break. Um, you know, we we it's like having a lot of children, and uh, one, on any given day, one of your children is giving you a tough time. But I, you know, I I think in terms of 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 uh, vulnerability i don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing to have uh different modes different vehicles uh because then if you do have a problem with a certain fleet or something uh you know it doesn't it doesn't impact as much of your network uh as if you had uh you know fewer modes and fewer types of vehicles i will agree with you though that it is it is tough uh, to keep you know a bunch of different vehicles running um, it 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 does uh, make it a little harder and I'm sure there's a little bit of inefficiency in terms of of uh, you know stocking parts and and having you know different vehicles you know even for our infrastructure people some we have overrunning third rail we have underrunning third rail uh, but you know I think I think we just do it here in Philadelphia it, it is what we we have um, we have, you know, standardized as much as we could, and so we don't. We just we just do it. You know, we just do it. Is there, if you would compare the difference between a trolley and a bus, and I, I say this as somebody who's riding my bicycle along Lancaster Avenue a lot, and I always wonder with the trolley versus the bus, the trolley has trolley tracks. The tracks crack every winter with the the asphalt around them. Is the trolley so much cheaper to operate than just a bus line or is there another reason why we like the trolley so much um i i think it's it's just really become an institution here in philadelphia to have trolleys um you know the 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 trolley is a is a good situation where it comes into center city and we have the tunnel um you know i was when i was in toronto i remarked uh, to other people that i was with i was surprised that their trolleys were running right in the central business district on the street so i think one of the reasons that our trolleys have stayed you know useful and vibrant in our region here uh is the fact that they go into the tunnel when they get into center city um and they can you know move pretty 
pretty quickly through the tunnel. So um, I think that's kept them, and, and just the concept of, you know, they're very Philadelphia. So um, it's it's something that, you know, we've had, and, and gosh, the network was, was much, much, much bigger uh, in the past. I mean, virtually uh, unbelievable network in terms of, of uh, trolley coverage. But, you know, the bus, the, the ability to uh, be flexible and, and um, you know, change routes and move around and meet new markets, uh, it's kind of an interesting mix that you, you we do have the bus to develop uh, new markets, new routes, new new types of service, and at the same time keep the the trolley network. And and if we go to the articulated trolleys uh, in the near future, which we're hoping to, uh, there's a lot of uh, capacity on those those uh, articulated trolleys. So when you couple that with the uh, the trolley tunnel, which is a little over five miles long. Uh, it, it really becomes an efficient network. So think about the fleet of the future for SEPTA. In the second half of the show, I will talk to Florian uh, Reuter, who is the CEO of Volocopter. And these guys are selling flying taxis, basically. Now, they're not really selling them right now, but I, I still have a hard time going from the Gira trolley line to a flying taxi. Um, but but you guys, in, you, you played around with a good number of energy-efficient and environmentally-friendly technologies on the buses, right? Uh, what, what is happening we, on that we front? We are going right now. We already have our first all-electric bus. Um, you know, we've we've we're tr we try to keep up with what's going on. Um, when I became general manager, we created an innovation department. Um, we're considered, you know, in terms of uh, power, uh, to be a very very progressive uh, transit agency. Uh, so always looking uh, to do things that are innovative uh, in terms of uh, electric usage and all. Um, but you know we'll we'll continue to watch. I mean, there's a there, and, and be a part of things. There's a lot going on with uh, autonomous vehicles, uh, electric vehicles. I mean, the the, the future is going to come. Uh, I think faster than than a lot of people believe. Um, in the air, I you know I'm not. I've been asked. Yeah, question. not me. Yeah, I've been asked that question before at another event, and you know I I, I there's it that. Right now, the one thing I would tell you, though, is, you know, the, we, this, this uh, Uber and Lyft and all, we really have to be careful how much congestion we put on the city streets. That's, that is one concern that I have. And it's not just Uber and Lyft. We also have a lot of deliveries now from uh, Internet. Uh, I think I just saw an article on that today, uh, a lot of Internet uh, buying. Uh, there's a lot of different things that we have to watch out for. Uh, but, you know, all these... Uh, all these situations are something that we keep a very close eye on, uh, and you know you can you can if you don't pay attention to them, the you know that that can be bad. As, as I tell most of the people who work for me at SEPTA, um, I just know how much faster the world, the business world, is moving now than 30 years ago, and you really have to be paying attention. Uh, if you don't, things can. Uh, uh, get ahead of you very, very fast. So looking at all this kind of technology, all these kind of opportunities, and and in some cases challenges, that, that it, it's you, you got to do it. Could you imagine a situation where SEPTA vehicles are dispatched on demand? I guess there's a big difference between an Uber pool and a small bus is that the, the former is basically triggered by customer demand versus the traditional SEPTA model as we run when we run. Yep. We, we, could, could you see a version I, of basically I, I, a pool taxi? I think that they're working on that out in L.A. So already in our industry, 
um, that's starting up. So, I mean, I, I think we'll keep an eye on that particular endeavor. Um, you know, it, 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 it really is going to matter. A lo- There's a lot of factors in all of this. There really are uh, in terms of even, you know, whether things become autonomous and all that. Uh, it's it's a it's a very very uh, fluid situation, uh, and so you know we'll we'll watch. And like I said, I think Los Angeles is 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 started to move in that direction, and uh, we'll be watching to see how they do. If there's one thing that you can wish for for public transportation in the next ten years, what would that be? Well, that's a really easy one. Um, I'm a I'm an engineer, um, a civil engineer by background. And uh, next month, I celebrate 30 years at SEPTA. And I came from another area and was concerned by the 90s, you know, with the choice that I had made. And just because I was concerned, where, you know, where the city and the region were heading. But I'm telling you now, I'm just very excited about where the region's heading to see all the tower cranes, the increases in population. Uh, all that's going on for, for SEPTA, what I want is us to not be the limiter for the region. Um, some of our rail modes are getting pushed to the brink for capacity, and I just uh, want people to pay attention to that issue and uh, help us because this is the type of thing that there's just so many positive things going on. Uh, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the interview, uh, that when you look at the success of SEPTA, one of the things is the economic Uh, development that we are spurring, and it's it's just up and down our lines. I mean, I could show you. You'd be amazed at. And there's a report coming out soon uh, that will that I'll be going around probably in the next month, showing all over, and you can just see from housing values to to uh, construction starts to all kinds of things just going on. And what I want to make sure is that SEPTA is able to continue to fuel. Uh, this really fantastic situation that I, that our region is going through now. It's an exciting time. Exciting time for Philly. Go Philly. Thank you so much, uh, Jeff Knöppel. We need to take a short break now. When we come back, I will talk to Florian Reuter, the CEO of Volocopter, the company behind Dubai's flying cars. You're listening to Work of Tomorrow. I'm Christian Tevish, and this is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM. We'll be right back. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 